Today's episode was recorded on July the 23rd, 2019. I'm your host, Gaming Psychologist, and with me, as always, spending time... No, time fly... I don't fuck it, just say... Uh, uh, Caffeine rage? Uh, Well, you kind of paused there, so I thought, okay, well, you're not doing it this time around. I did. Normally, I think about it beforehand. We've spent so long talking and meandering that it just kind of dawned on me that I didn't have one prepared, so I, I fucked it up. It's fine. Uh, it's alright. We'll, we'll do it live. I'll wait. <laughs> on today's show, we will, of course, be discussing the games that we have played. In Control dies at age 33. Nintendo is hit with a class action lawsuit over Switch Joy-Con drifting issue. Grand Theft Auto V update adds a casino that can be played with real money. Rare Talks, Sea of Thieves, Upcoming Pets, and Microtransaction Store. We will discuss a couple of things in Community Corner and have a Steam Discovery queue. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Hello. As if we haven't been talking for over an hour. Well over an hour. <laughs> also, you're not going uh, full Trebek and, uh, per- and upholding the illusion that you know, we just started up the recording and uh, you know, about five seconds after the call. <laughs> oh, I always break that illusion. Always break it. I'm never honest. I'm always like, so we've been talking for a long time now. Or <laughs> I'll be like, so Rage, how are you? As if we haven't been talking for the last X number of minutes. To the audience, though, we've only been talking for approximately a minute to a minute and a half. Despite the fact that the recording is already at 14 minutes, just about. Not quite, but just about. And that Craig has been running for probably close to half an hour now. And we were chatting for another half an hour before that. Well, well don't forget uh, Craig thinking, what the fuck? Yeah. I, I don't, Craig, I think, I don't get, used to that by now. I, I don't get paid enough for this. He doesn't get paid at all. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. What's shaking, Bacon? Uh, not much. Had kind of a relaxing weekend uh, watching a movie, so. Uh, which, nice. considering the length of the movie, that, that doesn't sound... Oh, well, I watched a movie for the weekend, but, you know, a, a nearly three-hour movie, that's pretty much an evening. <laughs> Watch, like, The Tenth Kingdom. I think that movie is, like, 11 or 12 hours long. Uh, why don't I just watch something good and fire Lord of the Rings again? That's true. That'll get you, like, if you watch all the extended cuts, that'll get you, like, 18 hours. That's, like, a week. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't. I didn't do anything Saturday except kind of die. I fought off being ill all week, and then Saturday my body just went, "Okay, you're home. You don't have to work. We're dead Go now. To sleep now." So, but I did play a couple of of new games to discuss and get farther in some others that I won't be talking about now. But you know, the fabled X four in game discussion inches ever closer. <laughs> Also, Maybe like six uh, so, weeks from now. Okay, six weeks. So I should uh, make sure I have uh, the cards of utter boredom all set. Got it. Yeah, maybe in six weeks I'll have corrected the economy, <laughs> which I broke. Whoops. Nah, uh, I, I didn't realize I, you were elected president. Yeah. No, I fixed a lot of things. Um, like, I discovered 
some some issues with how it does things, but I'm not gonna drift off into that conversation now. I've learned I've learned how to exploit the economy, but in a positive way that makes the game just generally <laughs> run better. So better for the game or better for you? Better for the game. You kind of hit a certain point in all of these games that if you just keep playing, you just start to kind of steamroll money, and then you just go, you know, fuck off and do whatever you want. I'm kind of at that point, starting to, starting to get to that point. Yeah, most of my, well, really last two weeks since we didn't talk games last week, has been playing things that, yeah, I don't, I can't really talk much more about because, you know, how much more can we talk about Forza? <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh uh and Warframe and uh well Game Club of course, which honestly hasn't been as much as I should because oh getting through the start of a Final Fantasy game is tough. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Um but why don't you talk about what you did play? You've been holding well, on to this one for a while now. Oh yeah. Uh, well a couple weeks ago well actually I guess three weeks ago, we had an article talking about the new Doctor Mario bubble game. And I thought, you know, let's try it. Let's see if it's bad as it, uh, as uh, yeah, all the articles say it is. And I gotta say, no, it's uh, at least as far as I got, which was only to the second world before I couldn't stomach the game anymore. It wasn't as bad as the articles make it out to be. That doesn't make it good, but it's not as bad. So all the articles that we had that we're talking about this game, we're talking about how you couldn't play for more than like five or ten minutes and then uh, watch an ad or have to buy in for uh, stamina. I never got to that point, mostly because there were so many other things that utterly pissed me off about the game that I just couldn't get that far. Mostly it came down to pacing. And I know you're thinking pacing in a Dr. Mario game. Well, it's the fact that at the start of every single level, there's a good 10 or so seconds of forced animation of uh, uh, countdowns and flashing on the screen, you know, to make you, uh, you know, get all those endorphins going from all the flashing colors and sounds. That got really old really quickly to me. <laughs> It just slowed down the game so much on top of having, yeah, of course, a stamina system that, of course, because this is a Nintendo game with a stamina system, it's in half an hour per life and you only get five lives. So, yeah, you could already see where some of this is going, huh? I think so. I think so. So, let's actually talk about the gameplay. The gameplay... I actually had to go back and look at some of the old Dr. Mario games because I never really played Dr. Mario. It wasn't really my thing. I didn't really play a lot of the match three genre, for lack of a better term, before Bubble. I think the only one that I really played of any note back in the day when Dr. Mario was a thing, or the thing, I guess I should say, uh, which I realized, Dr. Mario, technically not Match 3, but work with me here, would be Columns, which is a similar idea, but it's essentially packaged in a different uh, format, uh, where Dr. Mario, you're controlling essentially always a two-color, well, 
pill uh, that can be uh, broken apart and uh, the whole objective is to remove viruses from the screen. Well, in this, uh, they kind of switch things up. For one, instead of coming from the top, you're coming uh, up from the bottom, which doesn't sound that different, but with the way they handle the controls on this, it gets rather frustrating. So you have the ability to essentially move the pill wherever you want. So uh, you could drag it onto the screen and then release it and you know, pretty much go full Tetris and just let it fall. Or you could drag it around. Well, you could only drag it up the screen. So if it goes like one roll past where you want it to, well, too bad. You're going to have to figure out somewhere else to put that now. And there was a lot of times that it would jump to a place that I didn't intend because they have this mechanic of as long as the pill could fit somewhere, you're able to drag it there because, you know, touch screens. Right. Uh, that I'm not sure if the, you know, if the touch interface was a little bit too sensitive, if I just have really fat fingers. Okay, I also have really fat fingers. Uh, but it felt highly imprecise. To the point where any level that required any sort of speed, just forget about it. It was going to end up pissing me off more than anything else. And this was on top of levels that change up the uh, actual goal of the game. So typically you're removing viruses, but sometimes you have to essentially, uh, it's a survival mode and things will fall down from the top. Well, uh, in a couple of those uh, modes that came up, there were indestructible blocks. And I had one time I lost because the uh, uh, drag interface said, okay, well, you moved your uh, thing one row up, so it's going to stick the uh, capsule here and you can't move it. Well, it happened to be right where I had, uh, you know, I was going to lose in a couple of turns because that was going to come off the bottom of the screen. Great, lovely, right? Uh, okay. There were uh, there's another uh, mode where you have to find hidden coins and blocks, or you know, constantly match uh, the match three against these blocks to get coins out of them. Uh, but there were more blocks than there were coins, so some of the blocks didn't have coins. So it required a fail in order to go back and figure out. Okay, this section of the level doesn't have coins. I need to focus on this section which comes into play with the stamina system. Now, there's a little bit of a double-edged sword with the stamina system in this, which I still need to go back to more of the gameplay, but uh, the stamina system has it where when you start a level, you're burning a life instead of how pretty much every other match three game with a stamina system works, where when you lose, you burn a life. And you're thinking, well, what's the big deal there, right? Well, the difference in that is that the only time you get that life back is when you first complete a level. So, you know, it's not like, you know, these match three games, they, you know, suggest, hey, maybe you should go back and play previous levels to get a better score. Oh, wait, uh, they do, don't they? Well, if you go back to a previous level, and even if you beat your score, at least the last time I played... You don't get that life back. So that's a half an hour timer. Enjoy, right? Yeah. 
So if you're a completion, it punishes you for being a completionist. Oh yeah, it it punishes you for being a completionist because that's how you, uh, or that's one way to generate coins, which goes into the gotcha store, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, you start off uh, with a choice between playing Dr. Mario, Dr. Bowser, or Dr. Peach. Which, uh, they talk about, uh, the, you know, the viruses show up and these three put down, put aside their differences and put on their lab coats. Okay, I can understand Mario you know, having a lab coat uh, somewhere up his ass because, you know, he is all professions. But Peach and Bowser, they have lab coats? Since when? Uh, I know, I know. There's probably something in uh, Mario lore, right? Possibly, but not that I'm aware of. Granted, I'm the not the arbiter of Mario lore, so. What you're not? Damn, I'm gonna <laughs> have to. I'm gonna have to remove that from your title. Uh, but in order to unlock additional characters, which have different power ups, which as you progress through a level, you have. Uh, uh, your power meter or your skill meter eventually you know, ticks up and like Bowser removes two random rows. Peach removes a random column and Mario removes the lowest row and that's the starters and other ones have different abilities. Well, as far as I could tell, pretty much all the different characters have the same appearance rate of 2% and change. So there's the gotcha uh, for your actual playable characters, and there's, I think, like 10 or 12 of them. You know, pretty much all the staple ones, right? You know, uh, Luigi, uh, uh, Daisy, uh, you know, pretty much your you know standard cast. And then you had uh, Staff, which essentially gives you a small bonus, and as you get uh, duplicates of them, they level up, so... I got a Goomba for my first staff member who gave me a whole 1% uh, score bonus. <laughs> right? Wow. But if so I hit, much score. But if I hit that 2% again, uh, I'm not sure if it levels up right away or if it's uh, Clash Royale style where each level requires more and more of the same duplicate. But yeah, it's a, a very middling bonus. But at the same time, you know, that bonus, or at least this uh, score bonus one, is what dictates the final star level. Because the star level, uh, you know, your, your completion one out of three star, or, you know, uh, out of three stars, I should say, for your final score, is based off, well, like I said, your final score. And that is a combination of how many capsules you have left, uh... And other things that are on the screen. So, you know, your leftover capsules uh, are, I think, a negative multiplier. So, yeah, getting those could be very helpful for getting three stars. Uh, I had another that I can't think of the name of that had a whole uh, 10% chance to remove one virus from the screen. (laughs) I think I saw it happen twice. Oh, but... Yeah, it, this is a very, very, very mediocre match three. And it's just skinned with Dr. Mario with a yeah, a few very basic gameplay elements changed off of you know, your typical uh, Columns uh, Tetris style match three. 
But the thing that really got people up in arms about it is that, hey, this is a Mario licensed game. You know, uh, we expect better from Nintendo. I'm not sure why they expect better from Nintendo because, you know, history shows that Nintendo is going to screw you over when it comes to bubble titles. But it's not as bad re- as reports say. That doesn't make it good, though, right? Right. <laughs> trying to think people- of anything else in particular. I mean, it was just boring. And it's not, you know, a dislike of Match 3, because, yeah, Match 3 can be fun to pick up and play. It's just uh, between the controls not feeling quite right. The fact that they actually hold back on the tutorial, and I know that's like, well, why is you know, holding back on the tutorial a bad thing? Because, you know, half the time these tutorials are do you know you could touch the screen in order to drop something onto the... But... The mechanic of moving a capsule into a bl- uh, an empty space big enough for a capsule actually wasn't explained till World Two, but there were levels in World One that, if you didn't use that mechanic, which I accidentally did a couple times that I didn't know about yet, there was no way to three star them as far as I could tell, and also the game was highly randomized. Because, you know, it is a match three game. So, you know, of course, there's a random element. There's that, you know, luck factor. And there were times that I got utterly boned by the RNG. There was one time I was set up to win and I needed a yellow capsule. Or not even a fully yellow capsule, a half a capsule. And I had a choice of three colors. Out of five capsules, I did not see a single yellow. I mean, a little ridiculous, huh? Yeah. But it's just, like I said, a very mediocre game. And it's just, uh, a lot of people raked it over the coals simply because it's a Mario game. And yes, I do agree that Nintendo should be held to a certain standard. But it's just a bad game in general. It's not a bad Mario game. Or I shouldn't say it's a bad game. It's a mediocre game. It just didn't deserve the press. Uh, You know, in either a positive or negative way. Yeah, we I, we were say somewhere in our pre-show conversation, we were talking about people's biases. And you can have a bias for something, you can have a bias against something. This could be a case of people's preconceived notions or ideas about what Nintendo should be letting that sort of drag this down. I guess I should call it estimation. by its proper name, uh, Dr. Mario World. Which the fact that it's running at 3.8 on Google Play actually says quite a bit, huh? Yeah. Typically, if something's below a 4, it's pure cancer. Typically on, you know, the modern rating scale, air quotes. Um, but, yeah, I like Dr. Mario. My mom really liked Dr. Mario. So when I had, uh, when I was a kid and we had our Super Nintendo... That was one of the games that she would play with me. And so Dr. Mario is one of the, the older Dr. Mario, I guess has got a, a special place in my gaming heart, but I had no intention of trying the mobile version. Cause if I'm going to play it, I'm just going to play an emulated version. Well, I figured or, yeah, uh, after seeing all the reports, it's like, I thought, yeah, th- this can't be quite right. And, uh, no, it was a little bit sensationalist, at least as far as I got. 
because I was able to play for the most part uninterrupted by the stamina system for at least the first world. Yeah. But it, it's just so sluggish. I will say that the um, multiplayer version or the multiplayer is interesting, but it's clear that, you know, these people have, uh, you know, no life Dr. Mario to the point that, you know, be entering uh, rivals is a, you know, a bad time because it's essentially, you know, Dr. Mario's speed running. And uh, to me, uh, this type of game uh, really requires, it's almost chess like, you know, sitting there and thinking about it. And taking it into a speed area, just uh, it wasn't as much fun for me. Yeah. Or maybe I'm overthinking, I don't know. But it also is a case of a little bit of concern with the characters, because as they level up, they get better power. So if you run into somebody that's like, you know, level 10 Mario, they're, you know, maybe able to just screw you over. And also, uh, before you start every level... There's also the ability to, oh, oh, that's one thing that pissed me off. Uh, I nearly forgot about that. Oh, I, I, sh- I should have reinstalled the game just to play it again. Uh, well, first of all, before you start the level, you have a choice of, uh, you know, power-ups to bring into the level. You can only get two with the free currency. Everything else is the premium currency. But the big one is, what is one thing that, Pretty much every match three has. It's those, you know, if you're in trouble, you could spend a little bit of in-game currency to get a power-up to be able to, you know, try to help you out, right? Right. It's a pretty common one. This is all premium currency. All of it. Including going in with more capsules, uh, going in and destroying a block, uh, there's one power-up that just clears all, you know, essentially just, well, they call it useless castles, but the ones that are still on the screen, it's all premium currency. It's literally pay to win. <laughs> uh, the, and, they, and they, you know, kind of, uh, you know, get used to the idea by giving you that first one free, you know, the first hit's free. Right. And I got into a level where I was having trouble. It was one of those that had, there's some levels on this that feels very particular. Like, if you don't get the perfect draws on the capsules, you're going to have a very, very tough time winning. And I was having that on one of the levels. I, I guess that's why I was able to complete the, or, you know, complete the first world without you know, really having trouble with the Steam and the title timer. Because I just got frustrated with the game at times because it RNG was just not there. But I was... Set up where, okay, I could win if I could just clear my capsules because I had just you know, one that got drugged to the wrong place because I didn't realize that mechanic was there. So, you know, I was, uh, flicked, in it, uh, flicked a capsule and it's like, oh, you want to go there? Okay. And just warp across the screen. So I went to, uh, yeah, I had enough money to be able to, I figured, oh, okay, I'll just buy it. Uh, yeah, buy the clear capsules with the in-game currency and be done with it. And it popped up the diamonds, which is the premium currency. And I just stopped and looked at it like, really? <laughs> That's where you're going with this? Ugh. Yeah, there's actually a lot of negative reviews, which is honestly a little surprising. But 
Yeah. Uh, it's not as bad as they say it was, but it's not a good game to play if you're not, if you have any modicum of being frustrated with bubble bullshit. Right. Okay. And I went a lot longer with that than I uh, envisioned. This makes me want to play Dr. Mario, but not the mobile version. It makes me want to go hop on the the Raspberry Pi and play some, some Dr. Mario on that. Well, it should be on there. Yeah, it is. I've played it on there before. I take that on my trip. We could all sit in the hotel room and play classic Nintendo games. It's not very big, although the I don't know if the the TV in the hotel is going to have, like, what kind of TV it's going to be. It'll probably have an HDMI port. Anyways, I don't want to get too off on that tangent. Um, I've got two games that I played this week. Both of them fairly, fairly quick. Uh, so the first one is called Survive on Raft, which sounds shitty. And if you go look at it on Steam, it looks shitty. But it's not terrible. Um... So I don't does know it smell if smell shitty. No. I don't know if like looking at it I was expecting it to be so bad that I was pleasantly surprised that it's a fairly functional decent survival crafting game with a what in my mind is a little bit more of a sort of a I guess unique gimmick or something like that. But um it is a survival crafting game. The, you know, conceit is like you're on a raft after a shipwreck. Well, I say raft you're on a like a big plank of wood after a ship crashed and you've got a couple of basic tools. You got like a hook and some water, like some bottled water and some food. And you and, have and, to And the corpse of Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> yeah, you pushed him off the door uh and fed him to the giant shark um to buy yourself some time. So but yeah, you, you start in the water and there's all of this, you know, flotsam and jetsam around and you've got your little hook thing and it's on a rope and you throw the hook to grab stuff in the water and pull it in towards you. And that's where you collect your crafting materials. Um, and then f- that point of it is pretty standard. You collect the materials, you craft things to make your raft larger, you know, more planks of wood um, as you level up which you level up just by essentially performing actions, collecting things, building, surviving uh, a day, gives you just sort of a flat XP payout. Um, And as you level up, you unlock more things. You get a fishing rod where you can fish, obviously. Uh, You unlock some some more tools, um, more designs, and and parts to create a larger raft or a larger ship. Um, and it kind of starts to feel like Waterworld after a little bit because you you get a, a larger thing. You know that you doesn't like an, well, right? <laughs> <laughs> you got an indoor area, maybe something that's raised so the shark can't get you, like up on stilts or something like that. You've got like a little fishing hole in the middle of your your ship so that you can just fish like right there. Um, you can craft. I don't know, like, some kind of water purifying station. Like, I get the principle behind it. I don't exactly know what it's called, because it just says fresh water maker is, like, what it's called. The uh, the English is, mm, I won't say strong in this, but definitely present. So, you know, it's called, like, fresh water maker. But it's essentially kind of like a, um, uh, would it be a sump? Like, a barrel that you light a fire underneath. And then that creates vapor, and you collect the vapor so that you purify the water. 
Uh, yeah, I guess that would be a distiller. Thanks. Um, and then you create like a cooking, a raised cooking spit, um, so that you can have a fire on your boat, but not burn it down. Um, so that you can make food, make food and, and continue to eat. Um, there's other stuff too. There's some decorative stuff you can get like rugs and tapestries and, uh, wall decorations and do things like torches so you can have light at nighttime, which helps keep the giant shark away. So there are giant sharks swimming around in the water. And if you jump in the water, it's basically instant death. If you, well, if you jump in or if you fall in, um, they will come and they will snatch you up and they will eat you. And every night, except for the first night, they will come and they will attack your raft and destroy pieces of it until either they, um, the sun comes up and they run away or you attack them. You can, there's a couple of weapons you can attack, but, but the best one is like a spear you can make and you like stab them in the eyes and then they run away, but they'll come and it'll destroy pieces of your, your raft until you fight them off or the sun comes up or they get bored or whatever the, the timer is for that. Or you punch um, him in the nose. <laughs> I don't think that you can kill the shark. At least I haven't been able to. Like it always runs away. I don't. I don't know if you can actually kill any of the sharks, but um, that's not too bad. When the raft gets a little bit bigger, that can be a little bit more more difficult if you are like on one side and you got to go fight the shark on the other one, and you're just a little too slow, and he bites off a piece of your raft, and you're like, "Well, fuck! I just built that." Um, as your raft grows larger, it sort of becomes easier to collect materials because the stuff just runs into it and then gets sort of pulled along with you. So you can just walk up to it and grab it instead of having to use like the hook to throw it out in the water and pull stuff in. Um, but the actual collecting materials part, honestly, gets a little monotonous after a while because there's once the initial like, oh, this is a neat gimmick kind of wears off to it. Uh, it, it just gets boring, but um, you know, building torches or creating torches to have at night will keep, seems to keep the shark away a lot more of the time. Um, and yeah, if don't you die, you know sharks it, are afraid of fire. Apparently if you die, it, uh, you know, just responds you back on your raft, but you lose all the stuff that you had on your body. Uh, it, it, if you somehow manage to die in such a way that leaves it on your raft, you can pick it back up. But if it's in the water, it seems to be gone forever. Um, and then you can grow, like you can get these little grow boxes and you can create compost and grow coconut trees. I don't know if there's other things that you can grow. Coconut tree doesn't really seem like a sustainable thing to have on a a boat, but that's what you get. Um, and then you can get coconuts from that, which are food that doesn't require cooking. You use a mallet to break them open and then you can eat. Uh, I would, uh, humbly, uh, well, Disagree about coconuts being food. I mean, I also dislike coconut in real life, but it was like, well, I can eat this coconut or I can die. I would probably eat the coconut. There's a perfectly good shark down there. Just choke it with the coconut. <laughs> Just pelt it with coconuts until it dies. Um, And that's pretty much it. I mean, the goal is to just survive as many nights as you can. Um, the, you know, it's fairly simple control-wise. There's a tutorial. You don't really need it. Uh, I don't know if there's plans to develop it farther. Um, it doesn't say it's in early access, so who knows. But 
as like a nifty little thing for a couple of bucks on sale, I think it's worth it. It's five bucks like on its own right now. I don't know if it's worth five dollars. I've gotten about an hour's worth of enjoyment out of it. I might get another hour just to play around with some of the other tools that I haven't gotten to yet. But beyond that, I don't really think it, it has much else unless they update it. Um, it basically can run on a potato. So if you've got a low-end machine or a laptop that you're just looking for something to have, this is a possibility. But, you know, for what they're asking for it, if they were like, oh, $20 for this game, it's not worth it. But $5, maybe a dollar, two bucks on a Steam sale, perfect. That's just not all that bad. Which I was really surprised. I was like looking forward to playing it and making fun of it because it was garbage. But I was like, well, this looks like garbage, but it's not terrible. So pleasantly surprised. The uh, other game that I played is called Traffics. T-R-A-F-F-I-X. Traffics is a fairly simple puzzle game uh, where that you are a traffic control person uh, and you're in charge of traffic lights. And, um, there is, is traffic that is moving and other things that could be moving. Some of the levels have like trains or for some reason, the roads cross, uh, airfields or, um, yeah. I would guess there would be like service highways on airport or service Possibly, possibly, but you know, things like that, there's intersections, roundabouts, exchanges, and you're controlling, you know, some traffic flow. And they start out relatively easy. You're just controlling one line of traffic as it crosses, you know, a a one-way highway or one-way street. And then it's, you know, two lanes, one going each direction. And then you're controlling two when you get a roundabout and cars come at different intervals. Everything moves at the same speed, but there are, uh, like, sports cars and vans and uh, semi-trucks. There's also emergency vehicles. Um... So the way that that works is like you're you're controlling the traffic and in order to get, you know, the three stars for doing everything perfectly, you have to have no traffic accidents and you can't make anyone mad. There's no time limit per se, um, but if you wait, if you make people wait for too long, they get mad and then it counts against you. But emergency vehicles will only wait until the driver gets mad and then they just drive away, ignoring your, your traffic signal. So... You have to be careful with those guys. Uh, The first few levels are extremely easy. It's teaching you basic concepts through gameplay. Like there's a tutorial that teaches you how it works. Uh, And this is a a port of a mobile game. Yeah, I was going to say this looks very mobile-ish. Yeah, it's it's a port of a mobile game. And they haven't even changed it from tap or, you know, tap and swipe. Oh, what are my psychotic fucking hatreds? Yeah. But essentially you just click on the traffic light to let a single car through and you can click and hold or double click and then that will leave it open and traffic flows through. If you click and hold traffic will flow through until you release. And then if you double click, you have to come back and click it again to stop the flow of traffic. And that's it. Like that's it for controls. If there's a traffic accident, you have to clear the accident by clicking on the cars or it's a swiping. I don't know if you can click and drag to remove them. Um, no, no, you pick up a- and shake the computer. <laughs> uh, I've had a couple of traffic accidents uh, on the fourth or fifth level, but the first few levels I didn't have any at all. 
Um, and, and then it introduces you to the complexity of the game very slowly. Like I said, it starts out and you've got one lane, you know, you're controlling one lane of traffic that is going in one direction that crosses a street that is a one lane street going one direction and it, and it builds up from there. So then you, you've got like a cross street that you have to send traffic through and then a roundabout and then a traffic exchange on like, think like an on-ramp onto an interstate. Um, and sometimes tra- the, the cars are going into one lane and sometimes they're going into the other one. Um, and, and it indicates all this to you. And then it starts to get really complicated. Like there's um, an interchange with uh, multi-level highways that kind of like block things out. And I really struggled with that one at first because my brain just couldn't wrap my head around like, okay, so at this point they cross because game. And so I have to be careful. Uh, video not game to... logic. Right. Because of video game logic. Ding. Like I have to be careful with this intersection because they can crash into each other. But this one, even though it looks exactly the same, they don't actually cross because the, the highways are at different levels. And that screwed me up for a little bit. And then, you know, like I said, as, as you keep going, it gets more and more difficult. You'll have trains that come through. So I'm guessing or, like the color gradient dictates uh, uh, their level or or is it just uh, being pretty? No, that's just to be pretty. Um, it's a very minimalistic art style. As you can see, the soundtrack is a lot of sort of funk and jazz. Very calming, very soothing. Soundtrack is actually excellent for this type of game well why do you just pipe the uh, music into the cars so whenever they're waiting they don't get angry <laughs> that would be nice wish i could do that um but that i mean that's literally that's all there is to it there's i, I don't know how many levels there are 20 25 levels and then there's a chaos mode which chaos mode is all police vehicles or all emergency vehicles rather so everything that comes that you have to control is an emergency vehicle so that just forces you to keep up with your time a little better but otherwise, it's a very simple, very relaxed puzzle wait, game. Wait, that's not how roundabout works. Uh, sorry, I'm looking at the trailer, and they have a roundabout with uh, five different uh, street lights. That's not how a roundabout works. Uh, I'm looking for it on the trailer. Uh, it's towards the end. It's at 35 seconds. Oh, I see that. My fact, that's kind of the opposite of how a roundabout works. Yeah. I haven't actually played that level yet. I don't know where it is. No, spoilers. Um, but yeah, I, you know, the game on Steam is, is 5 bucks. On mobile, it's $3. So there's a little bit of a PC tax. Yeah, I can't really lot. find it very easily on mobile. I'm not sure if it's uh, which store it's on. Or, uh, or I looked up on the Play Store. Uh, is it a different name? No, it's just it's Traffics. Uh, maybe Google is failing me, which is possible. Traffics. Yeah, don't see it uh, using that name. Copy and pasting from the Steam Store. Uh, you're offline on Steam right now. I'll send it to you on Discord. There you go. <clears throat> but yeah, huh. three bucks on mobile. Huh, weird. I was searching five, for it, but... Mm, oh well. Five bucks on PC. Uh, if you like this sort of puzzle game, 
I, I think it's probably worth five bucks on PC, but it definitely feels much more suited to mobile. Maybe if you had a like a, a tablet style PC that had a touchscreen, um, or even a touchscreen monitor that you didn't feel weird like reaching out and poking, it would work well. But with the mouse, it can get a little just a little fiddly. wonky when yeah, a little fiddly. But it's still a good, solid game. So, you know, if you're into this sort of thing, it might be worth it to you. I think it's definitely worth it. Worth it at the three buck mark on on mobile devices. So, maybe go for it there instead of getting it on on PC. Especially if you but, have a tablet. Yeah. Overall, though, really good game. I I enjoyed it. I'm glad I decided to, uh, you know, sit down with it for a little bit and try it out. I'm probably going to play it some more this weekend while I am uh, on my trip sitting in the hotel at night. Just because it's something that will run on my potato laptop. Oh, GLaDOS. Indeed. But uh, yeah, that's it for games we have played this week. In last week. That's my two. Well, yeah, in last week. But not the week before. No, not the week before. So, are we ready to move on to the news? Yeah, I think so. So our first news topic is a pretty big downer. Uh, Jeff in control Robinson dies at age 33. This happened over the weekend. Um, actually, I think it, it like he officially passed away on Friday, and then it was announced over the weekend that it happened. There are very few details. Um, basically, the article that we've got just... Is, is showing you where the, the tweet was that announced what happened. Yeah, which his Twitter feed has updated to say that he died due to a blood clot in his lung. Oh, okay. Let's see. Uh, to offer some solace uh, in the in this time of grief, we learned that uh, Jeff passed away quickly and painlessly from a blood clot in his lungs. Uh, that was the latest tweet on the 22nd. So yesterday, Monday. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it was announced um, uh, on Sunday. So, yeah. Uh, initially, all it said that he um, passed away from a sudden illness, which I guess blood caught in your lungs could. Yeah, and there were some people uh, uh, doing some detective work saying that he had a tattoo that uh, got infected and he was ha- had an abscess. Uh, so there were people saying, "Well, maybe it was related to that, but it looks like it wasn't." Or potentially not. Yeah. I don't know if an abscess can actually cause a blood clot or not. I don't know. Um, regardless, like, you know, what specifically led to the the blood clot or whatever, like, we may find out later. <laughs> That's totally up to the friends and family if they wish to share that information. But, um, you know, we were chatting, was it Sunday night? Yeah. And we like we were just chatting. I was going through Reddit, and I saw this, and I was like, "Who is in the, the, control?" And the, the, we talked this, about it for. His name sounds familiar. Yeah, so I'm most familiar with him, or pretty much a hundred percent familiar with him, just through his repeated appearances on the Co-optional podcast over the years. Um, yeah, I knew him a little bit more because uh, whenever I catch it on, I'll watch uh, some WCS, which he was an announcer on, and before that, he was a StarCraft player. So he would, uh, I recognize the name from there, but also him and Total Biscuit for quite a while did uh, some co-streaming and would uh, cast StarCraft. So, and they had a good uh, chemistry together going back and forth. 
So, yeah. Yeah. Um, he actually had a very recent appearance on the co-optional. I can't remember if it was... I can I can look it up real quick. It was either last week's episode or two weeks ago. Yeah, it's going like to be viewing... a, a little odd uh, when I catch up to that. Yeah, viewing the tweets from the rest of the co-optional crew, uh, it was two weeks ago. So, yeah, they were, you know, they were like, hey, we just talked to him. You know, it's just like crazy. It's like a nightmare. Stuff stuff like that. Which, you know, losing anybody that you're close to suddenly definitely feels that way. Um, you know, like it's a bad dream you can't wake up from. And so, you know. Yeah, it sounds like he, uh, assuming that this is, you know, uh, the blood clot is what happened and not uh, underlying, con- uh, you know, caused by an underlying condition. You know, there's some things that uh, could just, you know, uh, kill you without really any warning which is a little scary when you think about it huh yeah yeah there's all kinds of shit that can just you know get you on a moment's notice like that mm-hmm. um you know even though we weren't super familiar with him you know we know that we've got an audience of people who might have been familiar you know i'm gonna sort of drop my therapist stuff in here you know if if you were someone who was a big fan of his and you're feeling um, grief or, or sadness, anxiety, anything caused by hearing about his loss. Don't hesitate to reach out to me. Um, if you, you know, feel the need to do so, I'd be happy to talk to you. Um, and then just see if I can help you process through some of that. Um, uh, just because you may have not known them personally, doesn't mean that the, the grief for their loss isn't, you know, any less real. So if you find yourself struggling with that, either because you just heard the news on the show or you heard about it earlier in the week and you just, you know, haven't been sure how to process it, please don't hesitate to, uh, to contact me. Anything that we talk about will be completely confidential, just as if you were a, a paying client. So what, they're not a paying client. <laughs> well, you'll have to pay me, you know, and steam trading cards. Yeah. Very reasonable so, rates. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, like I just said, in all seriousness, feel free to, if, if you need some support or just someone to talk to and process through it, don't hesitate to contact me. I am here to help, but I don't, I don't particularly have anything else to add to this. We just knew that we couldn't really pass, you know, completely ignore it. So yeah, it was too big a news uh, to really uh, not bring up at the very least. Yeah. I mean, it was the top news of the week on Reddit, so, yeah. Or at least, no, sorry, it looks like it got passed up at the last second uh, about the Spider-Man. The Spider-Man. Spider-Man, Spider-Man. Sorry. All right, are you ready to move on to our next news topic of the evening? Yes, uh, let's talk about uh, something a lot, uh, you know, uh, lighter and uh, like class ac- action lawsuits, right? Indeed, Nintendo is hit with a class action lawsuit over the Switch Joy-Con drifting issue. Yeah, remember how I talked about that last week? <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, where I was a little bit concerned about the Switch Lite because people were reporting, "Hey, uh, the Joy-Con, the joysticks kind of wear out and they start drifting." Uh, essentially, they wear out to the point where the internal tension on them, uh, even though I'm not certain exactly how that tension is uh, supplied, sometimes it's just resistance of the uh, joystick 
Sometimes it's springs, but you know, sometimes it's just rubber bands on cheap ones. Uh, yeah. Wears out to the point where it gets past the, the dead zone. I was wrong on thinking that it was essentially wearing down the plastic to create an abrasive in it. It sounds like nobody really knows 100% sure why it's happening, at least outside of Nintendo. And there's yeah. a class action lawsuit going on, and there's been some late-breaking news that Nintendo's recently released a memo uh, that's instructing customer support to fix the Joy-Con drift. Before this, they were uh, instructing people that had it to go to the customer support and pay essentially uh, the same price as a new Joy-Con to go get that repaired. Oh, and it has a two-week turnaround as well. So, you know, a little troubling whenever you're considering, you know, the the Switch Lite wouldn't have the ability to swap these out. Yeah, you'd have to send the whole thing in for, you know, repairs, but there's no way to, like, all, all of your data and everything is stored directly on the device. There's no well, way to uh, to pull it off. Not 100% it true. Uh, remember, uh, if you pay for their online service, they offer cloud saves for some games. Yeah, I was going to say, for some games, that's not all games. So even that's not a solution. Because Nintendo so. just has to be Nintendo, right? Uh, Nintendo, Nintendo, ha- has, Nintendo ended up. Uh, I think it's fair to say Nintendo has pretty solid software, but hardware is either weird or has some sort of issue. Uh, and it's been this way for a long time now. Yeah, uh, Nintendo definitely solid software. Most of their games, at least... Uh, First party. First party. Yeah, uh, yeah, their third party, especially in the Wii era, just were turning into shovelware. Yeah, but I mean, they're, they're very good, you know, very solid, many of them excellent. But when it comes to their hardware, like, a lot of their hardware is genuinely excellent, like, in terms of, like, technical, like, what they're able to pull off with a very budget-oriented console setup. But they do things very weird, and they've had a, a long history of that. You know, like, one of the ones that springs to my mind the most is, like, the N64 controller. Just how weird and wacky that thing is. What, you don't I mean, have you three know, hands? Like... <laughs> no, you know, would you, would, when you know it, I just so happen to not have three hands. I'm actually surprised. So... I... Actually, I can't say this is 100% not. But I'm surprised that there's not, like, a, a N64 game where it's a local co-op where it's more than one person on a single controller. Now that I think hmm. about it. Almost how Brothers of Tale Two Sons uh, is a single player multiplayer or single player co-op where it's uh, split the controller between the two characters. I just had that thought. I, it made me wonder, is there in 64 game, you know, not, you know, some sort of challenge gameplay where the game is controlled by, let's say two people, maybe three splitting the N64 controller into uh, essentially sections. I don't think there is, but uh, that would have been an interesting way to use the hardware, huh? Yeah. Trying to Google that right now. I'm not coming up with anything, but my wording could be wrong. I don't think there is. Because pretty much whenever control schemes were set up for the game, Either it used the D-pad or the or the joystick or the thumbstick, never both. 
Yeah, or if it used both, typically the the thumbstick was the control method and the D-pad just functioned as additional buttons. Mm-hmm. Well, now we need to go back in time and develop an N64 game. <laughs> hey, maybe we could create a, you know, a new good timeline, right? Maybe. Influence a lot of uh, actions as much as possible going forward. Go kill a few people, buy some stock, you know. Typical time traveler stuff. It just kind of, uh, you know, I kind of just thought of that off the uh, top of my head, but even not counting the N64 controller, or the Wii controller, or the Wiimote, uh, it was a weird thing that, you know, just happened to work well enough that, you know, it got traction with non-gamers and became a huge success. But then the Wii U... Uh, essentially was a tablet and yeah uh, and a lot of games just did not make good use of that second screen experience no uh, I, the gamecube I, had uh, the uh you know, mini discs and also a weird controller as well yeah but the gamecube controller was closer to a i don't know air quotes normal controller uh the gamecube controller was what would happen if you left an Xbox three or sorry, an Xbox, well, an original Xbox controller, in the hot zone in Chernobyl, you know, and it just mutated for a while. Yeah. Uh, of course, you know, uh, it would be picking for death, but eh, that's beside the point. I mean, even uh, the original NES, it had a hardware issue with its contacts. Because they did this weird uh, uh, zero force uh, uh, contact system in it, essentially trying to distance themselves away from the traditional uh, set, uh, the traditional format of game cartridges at the time, and wanted to have the games loaded in like a VCR. And because of how they set up the system, where all the contact pins inside it were bent. So whatever you put in the cartridge and then push down on it, uh, all the uh, uh, pins would uh, uh, put force on the contacts uh, on the cartridge. Over time, the the essentially the bending of those pins would, uh, you know, they would lose their memory essentially, or yeah, you know, uh, the springiness of them would go away. Yeah. Uh, so you would start getting failures there. So yeah, you know, even in the original Nintendo console, there was a hardware issue. <laughs> Because they had to be, you know, doing something different. So, you know, it's... Nintendo has a long history of little fiddly hardware things. And even the... Well, the N64 gamepad had a a joystick or a thumbstick issue. So, yeah, this is even a new thing. It's just... It's at the point now where Nintendo uh, buried their head in the sand for so long about this issue... That uh, it came to a class action lawsuit that they're quickly trying to you know, rectify because, you know, uh, threat of litigation. Oh, shit, we need to do something now. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's uh, unfortunately what it takes most of the time to, to push companies into actually doing something is the threat of litigation. Yeah, and not even doing the right thing. It's just do something, right? Yeah. 
make it look like where we give a damn. I'm not quite as cynical on Nintendo as I am about a lot of other companies about this stuff. Well, to be but, fair, you know, you know it, uh, that's a low bar. <laughs> that's fair. Nintendo has been making what I feel like are more mistakes here recently. You know, they might just be in a little bit of a slump. I'm not going to write them off to being, you know, a really shitty, you know, air quotes, triple A company at this point. But, you know, they've it seems like they've been in the news a few times over the last couple of years with, you know, big issues or things that they're having to deal with. Yeah, that makes me, like I said, really hesitant about the Nintendo uh, Switch Lite. And even uh, they announced that there's a new version of the mainline Switch coming out with better battery life. So we're going to have to see just what they change on that. Or are they going to do some sort of design change in the Joy-Cons to fix whatever issue this is? Good question. I don't know. I think I mentioned this before. I'm definitely interested in the Switch Lite because all I'm really, really care about is the portability of it, and I would use it 100% like a handheld portable console. And the fact that it's less expensive, like I know the screen's smaller, it's all one piece, you know, stuff like that. But it's cheaper and is you know 100% portable. So I don't uh, currently own a Switch. I've talked about getting one a couple of times. The times have been right for it, but maybe, who knows? Maybe this year might be some decent bundles for the holidays with it so we'll see we'll see obviously uh, if i get it i'll use it and report back so i'm going to stop looking now i have been looking <laughs> for what you mentioned that idea of a uh hey we had a random experience. pitch a game huh yeah i i might dig into it some more later i also might just forget after i go to sleep and wake up tomorrow so no promises, but if I do find something, I will report back on that as well. Uh, next news topic. Grand Theft Auto Five update adds a casino that can be played with real money. Oh boy, right? Yeah. Now, so, now so, some caveats on this is that there is a limit to the amount of money you could buy in with in a particular time frame, but it's still a, you know, allowing people to buy in. Well, I thought that the buy-in limit was only if you were using the in-game currency. Because it translates at a rate of $1 to one chip at the casino that you can buy into every in-game day, which is an hour. Yeah, which I think that's where they're going with this, is the fact that shark cards exist. And that's the thing. Is that any time that they put in anything, you know, kind of questionable about, they, you know, uh, the fact that you could buy in with real money to get in-game currency and then use that currency to gamble. That starts to set up some red flags, right? Oh, yeah. Um, But, you know, I, I 100% expect them to sell specific casino shark cards where you can get all that money dumped at once into your, I don't know, chip count or casino bank account or however that works specifically in-game. Yeah, I hundred percent expect that. Yeah, and also some uh, countries are having it where this entire update is essentially blocked. It, you know, it's essentially a big building, and that's it. You're not able to buy yeah. in the chips to be able to uh, go in, and the only way to use the content is to buy into the chips with the in-game money. Which, like I said, 
as far as I could tell, I could be wrong with this because I haven't played GTA Online. I haven't played GTA 5, period. So, I could be wrong on this. So, uh, if I'm wrong, please send in a correction at vglpodcast at gmail.com or vglpodcast on Twitter. Because I want that correction. But, yeah, it looks like essentially $10 a day is the maximum that you can buy in with. Which, yeah, doesn't sound like a lot, but yeah, $10 a day adds up. Right? Yeah. Especially with somebody yeah. that has you know, an addiction to gambling to begin with, right? Yeah. I mean, if you have a, a gambling addiction and you go the max every day, that's $70 a week, which is... My brain is not wanting to do math. Where's my calculator? Uh, 3600 a, a day. Or 3600 a year, sorry. Yeah. So uh, in some chance, yeah. 3640 So you could spend that, you know, just in a year on the in-game gambling. That's assuming, of course, on- that you don't, you know, uh, that you're losing everything and you're buying the maximum, of course, because... There is the chance that you're winning uh, some money in this as well. Uh, but this is the problem I have with hardcore gambling in a, well, uh, in a game situation. Yes, I realize GTA is a mature game. Kids should not be playing it. So I'm not even going with the think of the children aspect here. One of the most heavily regulated industries in America is the gambling industry. Yeah. And they hard enforce win percentages. They hard enforce uh, house advantage. It's the Wild West when it... Well, I realize it's not the Wild West. That's a different game. But... (laughs) Sorry. Uh, But it is the Wild West when it comes to that on gaming on uh, or, or I should say gaming and video games because that's what they use the term gaming for gambling and we've already seen you know with loot boxes where they'll tweak the odds so if you're having a very long string of bad luck some games will kind of bump up the chance of getting something really good to keep you going you know to get the Skinner box to pay out a little bit sooner Right? Yeah. And gambling requires a level of trust I do not have in the gaming industry, period. Especially whenever real money starts entering it. Yeah. I I agree 100% on that one. Um, this is a, a, a kind of a Troubling. segue as well. Well, yeah, it's it's that too, that too. But this is also kind of a segue to something, because uh, the the British had been doing yeah. The there's actually yeah. Into, there's actually a link in this. <laughs> yeah, um, but the the British had been doing uh, an investigation into whether or not loot boxes were gambling a, a couple of weeks ago. You know when they when EA's representatives were talking about air quotes surprise mechanic. It's the surprise uh, mechanic. Yeah, this. This is this is that investigation, and this doesn't. The article that they link to doesn't quite have all the details that Jim Sterling talked about in his YouTube video, and I think he had links to some stuff in there. Basically, they said that loot boxes don't qualify as gambling under current UK law, specifically because 
there's no physical payout. You don't get real money. You don't get some kind of real item or whatever. And that's the only thing that separates it from gambling um, based on current UK law. And there's already a petition to uh, close that loophole, by the way. Yeah, which technically this is a victory for the gaming industry, but I think it highlights what we have said and what uh, uh, many others have said. Like, this is gambling in everything except, you know, legally recognized name. Like, they're utilizing all of the same tricks, psychological tricks and motivators to prey on people's, you know, addictive tendencies and things like that. And they're basically getting away with it because of a loophole in law. And specifically, I, I don't think this part was mentioned in the article, but it does say it. Uh, Jim does quote it in his uh, video on his channel. Um, says that, you know, this doesn't meet the law, but it is troubling. And we need to look into uh, corrective action or an oversight committee. Something like a next step that they were proposing happen to bring this under some kind of umbrella. Um because they acknowledge like all of this is troubling and it, it basically fits the standard for what they call a lottery uh, instead of gambling, which if you ask me like a lottery is just a different type of gambling, but you know, that's splitting hairs, but well, you know, regardless, uh, a lottery is just worse odds for gambling. Yeah. So, you know, this is probably going to be touted by a lot of, you know, the ESA and the what is it over in Europe? Peggy? Uh, or is Peggy the government uh, rating? I'm actually not 100% certain right now. Whatever the ESA's European equivalent is and by a lot of these companies is like, aha, win. See, they said that it wasn't gambling. And, you know, it is a short-term victory, but it's just highlighting how blurry the line is yeah but they also at least on the article uh, linked from uh, the gta 5 article talks about how valve should do more to close down the secondary market as well because yeah that's the problem right (laughs) that i think is definitely part of the problem um but it's not the whole problem i think it's more of a symptom of the problem actually as Mm -hmm. opposed to the problem itself the skin yeah and part of dealing with things is, you know, you treat the symptoms, but you also have to treat the underlying cause as well. And in this case, uh, loot boxes are gambling. So, you know, I, yeah, I don't know what uh, to say. Yeah, some other like, comments I saw uh, talked about how uh, it wasn't the fact that there wasn't a uh, a payout, but also uh, I'm, I, I didn't do a deep enough dive on it because, you know, I didn't see the article until you know, just when we were talking. Uh, some people were talking about how it also doesn't uh, meet the requirements for gambling in certain areas because there's not a loss. So does that mean casinos there are start going to uh, really racking up on plastic spiders? <laughs> because if you get something, it's only not gambling, right? Yeah, because you're not, you're not losing everything. You you might have just bought a ten thousand dollar plastic spider, but you know you got something. What are you talking about? If you uh, you, you get ten thousand uh, plastic spiders for that, 
I suppose that would still be a net gain for the casino, but they would definitely not gain as much. Let's see. What can, how much is a gross of uh, plastic spiders? <laughs> Let's see. One gross of plastic spiders is twelve. Uh, is thirteen bucks retail. Oh, these are the fancy jumping ones. So yeah, that's that, that's a five dollar buy-in. <laughs> I'm having too much fun. What can I say? The five dollar tables are the really shitty cheap tables in Vegas. I mean, those were my fable, favorite tables to play at. The one time I've been to Vegas, a lot of interesting people there, and you could just sit and all right, drink it's the, and all right, it's the $50 buy-in that gets the uh, plastic jumping spiders. Yeah. Let's see, plastic spiders. Let's see. Uh, okay, here's a uh, uh, hundred uh, pl- uh, just you know, plastic spiders for seven bucks. I have a real temptation to get this for April Fool's Day. Just dumping on my neighbor. No. And, and then I'm not evil. Uh, just, yeah, uh, the bucket over the door, but instead of water, it's plastic spiders. You'd probably be able to hear her from there. <laughs> I'm like, my anxiety's shooting up just hearing you talk about this. I don't like spiders. That's one of the only things that I really like. Spiders and clowns are like my things that I'm like, no, thank you. Okay, now how much is a hundred little plastic noses? Sorry. (laughs) I'm just shaking my head. (laughs) Which is great for an audio podcast, by the way. Yeah. Ooh, I could go cheaper. A hundred plastic spiders for a dollar. A dollar 46. There we go. Ebay is the way, right? Yeah, eBay's pretty swell. Um, but yeah, I mean, this whole thing, you know, going back to what the the news topic, this whole thing is just like, honestly, it feels kind of like a fuck you, like with the GTA casino, just feels like a fuck I you mean, in I underst- the face of all of this. I understand uh, that uh, casinos have a place in the GTA series. They've been uh, in the GTA games before. But they've never been multiplayer with the ability to buy in with real cash. And that's really the distinguishing factor here to me. Is that, yeah. you know, it's one thing to go into San Andreas and, you know, go shoot a bunch of people for uh, in-game cash and then, you know, go blow it all on blackjack. But it's another one whenever you're buying shark cards and you're dropping 10 bucks a day on casino chips. It just seems, yeah. You know, it seems like there's a real distinction of uh, of uh, shittiness there. Yeah, it's it's just different than there being just like gambling you can go do in game. Like if you know if you could just go play, you know, blackjack or Texas Hold'em or any number of other games as like a mini game. That's one thing, you know, and it just only utilizes some real game, you know, in game currency or whatever. Yeah, or part it's in of the me single player mode and. Part of me wonders just how much of uh, this was a scrapped original single player content that, you know, they reworked for multiplayer because uh, they originally supposedly had a lot of single player content planned in GTA Online was just kind of a weird experiment that they didn't really expect much out of. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's a good point. I hadn't thought of it that way. Possibly could be 
you know, a lot of it or all of it that comes out. Yeah, and be... this was also uh, a was this Brucey that came back with the the GTA uh, Casino? Oh, I don't know. I didn't see if there if there was a specific character. I know Gay Tony was uh, the previous one. Let's see. I'm just seeing if I can find it real quick. Uh, yeah, Brucey. Because yeah, Brucey. I like Brucey. Uh, Brucey is definitely the one that I would consider with a casino, right? <laughs> yeah, actually, I that would that would fit. Well, it's being a little sarcastic there. I mean, I, I would have put like Roman, <laughs> you know, being in debt to a casino. Roman would probably be the best choice, but I could see Brucey doing it. Well, maybe there was also you know that particularly, uh, well, the ending of uh, GTA Four, possibly you know, Roman not being around. Yeah, depending on on the ending that you get. Yeah, especially depending on how much you liked Roman. He was annoying, but I I liked Roman overall. Uh, if Roman could just shut the ever living fuck up occasionally, right? Yeah. Hey, it's your cousin. Fuck off, Roman. I'm killing hookers. Don't <laughs> leave me alone. And now I'm I have the miracle a sound song coming up. It's your cousin. Not my uh, my favorite one of his songs, so I don't know all of it or as much of it. But yeah, I can I can kind of hear it starting to play in my mm-hmm. head. It's an earworm. That's the problem. Yeah. So should we get away from this before uh, uh, we get a copyright strike from Miracle Sound? Uh, obviously <laughs> not due to your performance because you know I don't no, think I, I don't not. think any AI would be able to recognize that as a human singing. It's just screeching noises. Yeah, we'll move on to our last news topic. Yeah, yeah, tonight, yeah we'll is... get in trouble for uh, having uh, you know injuries on the podcast. It, it sounded like there was a seal that was being beaten to death. No, that was just Jared singing. <laughs> so rare talks, Sea of Thieves, upcoming pets, and microtransaction store. Yeah, this is kind of an interesting one. And because it's Sea of Thieves, it's not as clear-cut to me on just my thoughts on this. So, way back when Sea of Thieves launched, and it's extremely bare-bones state, let's be perfectly honest, one of the things they planned on releasing not long afterwards was a cosmetic store. Well, turns out... Launching a game in a bare bones state kind of pisses people off. So they had to put back the store and put it back, put it back. And it looks like they're now just getting around to it. But the landscape has kind of changed. And I'm not just talking about uh, games as a service becoming kind of the standard. And see if they've supposedly getting a fair amount of gameplay. But also the fact that it's an Xbox uh, Game Pass game now, at least on the PC. I'm not sure if it is on uh, the console as well. Yeah, it is on console. It was one of the ones that they were like, uh, I think that the Sea of Thieves came out the same time they debuted the Game Pass service. Yeah, I remember. uh, That's right. You got the Game Pass in order to try it for a month. Yeah. And you were highly disappointed. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, but it's very, but, very sad. But it makes me wonder just where the 
where microtransactions are going to go if we start seeing more of these Netflix of games popping up where, uh, especially if they use the Netflix model of all the games on the pass gets an equal cut or a predetermined cut of the revenue or, you know, a predetermined amount of money. Are we going to see where microtransactions make a little bit more sense in a AAA game because the majority of the players are essentially subscribers instead of buyers? It's an interesting thing, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, that's that's kind of the thing. Is it, it has this weird feeling about it because this is not something that has been a thing on PC gaming outside of like the last year or two. And it's still relatively new that I haven't really considered it all that much. Yeah. On the one hand, I kind of get it. Because then they're, they're, they're not free to play games in that sense because you're still paying a subscription to get access to the games. But you're also not paying, you know, specifically for the games. So in one way, it makes more sense to me. But on the other hand, like for, you know, particularly for something like Microsoft and their Game Pass, it's like, well, I mean, you're a Microsoft first first party title. That has put you on the Game Pass as a way to, you know, keep player numbers up and things like that. So, I mean, Microsoft is is still paying you for this. It's not like you're doing it for free. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I might this understand is a, but, it a little bit. It, but see, it these is a Microsoft published. It's not Microsoft in-house, is it? Uh, is Rare uh, Microsoft in-house? I'm pretty positive Microsoft bought Rare a few years ago, and they're one of their first-party developers. I can't recall, so I'm happy to go double-check that. See rare company. Um. Uh. Yeah. In two thousand two, actually. I thought the acquisition was much more recent, but I guess not. But yeah, so Microsoft has owned Rare since two thousand two. Oh well. That, oh well. That's why Rare dropped off the map for me. Rare focused on the Connect from two thousand nine to two thousand fourteen. <laughs> I guess that's why it feel feels like that. You know, in the last few years is when Rare was, in my mind, bought and made a comeback by Microsoft. But Microsoft has owned them for a long time, and they're just letting them, or having them make games again instead of Connect stuff. Yeah, let's see. List of video games developed by Rare and year of release. Do, do, do. See if the use, uh, well, well, was their last one last year? Uh, Battletoads coming up is a, is a Rare game. See Rare Replay, Connect, uh, Killer Instinct. And so Killer Instinct was good yeah, actually. Yeah, I'm not a fighting game guy, but that's 2013. Connect Sports, Connect Sports Season Two, Banjo Kazooie, Nuts and Bolts, which was Holy shit. Rare made FIFA Pinata. Ah, I love FIFA Pinata. I didn't know that. It's kind of a shame FIFA Pinata uh, kind of just died off, huh? Because there was a lot of uh, places to go with that. Yeah. Oh, I love Viva Pinata so much. I'm sorry for more screeching, but I'm not sorry. Well, at least it wasn't singing this time. And then they did Perfect Dark Zero and Cameo. Cameo was good. Perfect Dark Zero was eh. Uh, Well, they did Goldeneye, of course. 
Yeah, I'm I'm mostly just looking at the the Microsoft era. Uh, Star Fox Adventures, which was GameCube, that was just before they got bought out. Star Fox Adventures was really good too. Yeah, it's just uh, they it looks like it's after yeah, like 2007, they started really focusing on Connect stuff, and they have it really. Well, let's put it this way: uh, in the last ten years, they've released three games on PC: Killer Instinct in 2013. Sea of Thieves and upcoming Battletoads. Those are the three games in the last decade for PC. So that's why they fell off the map to me. Yeah. They spent a long time on Sea of Thieves. I uh, heard some insider reports from you know some, some contractors and, and developers that left the studio mid-production that they got like two years into making it, but it like hadn't really shaped up into anything like almost like an anthem story and so about a year before oh, that they rare almost magic completely yeah they almost completely restarted development uh, and that's one of the reasons see, wow. why it came out uh, such June a mess 2015 sea of thieves was announced at a microsoft xbox press conference at e3 2015 <laughs> uh, that's, yeah uh, i mean it, it, i yes i realize uh, we covered e3 2015 it, it was a really bare bones uh release or showing at that point did we do 2015 yeah. i think that was the year before we started the show or so we've done three e3s so that would be 2017 or, uh, to 18 oh, oh no gameplay was first shown at uh, 2016 uh they did uh just uh announced what it was in 2015 so yeah uh 2016 was the first thing um they showed gameplay and that was the cringy one with all the influencers wasn't it yeah it was but it was originally yeah. uh, scheduled to release in 2017. Uh, development started in 2014 with the idea of group shared narrative, <laughs> uh, uh, which Greg Miles of Rare described as a clumsy, uh, tilted concept that envisioned a group type of multiplayer where players would create experiences that are entertaining to watch. <laughs> So, uh, hey, Twitch before Twitch, right? Yeah. So, back to the, the thrust or the general idea of the news topic about them having a microtransaction store. I don't like it. I don't care if they're on a subscription-based service. Like, I've been sitting here thinking about it. We talked about it. I don't like it. Like, if this was a third, some kind of third-party subscription service, it might make a little more sense to me. Like, they would have something in their contract, but, you know, they... Rare... So, you know, and Sea of Thieves is, was developed, produced, owned by Microsoft. And Microsoft is the streaming service where you can get it. So, you know, I, I don't I don't like the idea of that. The more we've talked about it, I don't like it. But if it was third party, uh, you wouldn't have this big a problem? I wouldn't have as much of an issue with it. Because the thing is, if it was a third party service that they were a part of, and then them having the microtransaction store, like they're not getting the same kind of backing. Like, that's the thing. With this being all in-house Microsoft stuff, they're getting their backing, their funding from Microsoft, or at least a big portion of it. So, you know, with accounting and, you know, number shuffling and all that jazz, it could look like they've got a loss without the microtransactions. But with Microsoft being their parent company, Microsoft can be positioning this to be a loss leader to promote their service. And having the microtransactions in the store in, in it as well feels like, you know, double dipping or 
you well, know, just like a, an well see if they don't do this they leave money on the table yeah i know <laughs> all of this all of them can't be happy with making the oodles of money that they do make they have to make every single cent or it's everything's performing below expectations yeah but yeah that's kind of a shitty thing huh yeah if it was a third-party service where they weren't being subsidized by the service provider i could i could understand well that's assuming that they are being subsidized that's the thing is that we don't know the agreements behind the scenes i suppose not but like i said microsoft owns them so yeah, but they are There's also still treated as you know, a separate company uh, under the Microsoft umbrella, as far as I can tell. You know, they're off doing their own thing as well, so it really depends just on the corporate relationship going on. Uh, I, I realize I'm I, I'm playing devil's advocate here, but a, but a lot of it is you know, a lot of question marks. You know, uh, yeah, uh, how are they? being subsidized if they're being subsidized if it's based on you know people downloading the game and playing it to uh, boost the player numbers for the people buying in or buying expansions or whatever for that game uh, then that's one thing other than you know them getting the you know set whatever and if they uh, sell an expansion great if not oh well uh, that's your tough luck uh, yeah part of me wonders if for a subscription like Game Pass or Uplay Plus or uh, uh, Origin Access, if these games start doing a lot more microtransactions, uh, I wonder if sooner or later the subscriptions uh, give some sort of premium currency uh, as a bonus to try to nudge people into spending these microtransactions. You know, like every month you get, you know, uh, like a thousand. Uh, Microsoft bucks or something that is good on any of their games on the service as a microtransaction uh, payment. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, sort of uh, how mobile uh, games do a premium currency trickle to try to warm you to doing this. Yeah, you know that psychological trick. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure they could do that. Pers- like, I personally don't feel like they would have to. Like. As long as the value for the subscription service is good enough, Mm -hmm. or at least where I personally feel like it's good enough, then I don't need any additional incentives. I'm basically just getting a bunch of games for, you know, effectively a very low overall price, and that's good enough for me. But I could totally see them doing that to incentivize people to stay. You know, I mean, Microsoft used to have Microsoft points before they just converted it to, you know, flat currency yeah and the microsoft like, see points them was always that uh, system. very insidious where it everything was priced in such a way that it was almost impossible to completely cash out and then you had yeah. that sunk cost fallacy of well i have this much if i buy into their card right yeah i mean i used to do that back back when i played a lot more xbox titles and even with the currency, like, you know, I mean, you can't just have a credit card or a PayPal attached now and you can just buy it instead of having to buy points. But you can still buy the currency to load into your account and then you kind of run into the same thing. Yeah, I was more but it's just not thinking as bad about as trying to warn people to the idea of having these microtransactions. Because there yeah. is a backlash whenever a game like this announces microtransactions, especially 
ones that aren't on a subscription service where, you know, it's a $60 buy-in or hell, a lot of times it's even more now whenever you start getting into special editions and uh, season passes and everything. Yeah. But uh, the subscription uh, angle is a new one that uh, is is in a weird spot right now for PC gaming. So, yeah, yeah that's kind of why I wanted to bring this up, really, was just, you know, it, it, it's a different take on this. Indeed. Just thinking for a second if I had any final points, but I think I have made all of my points. So, oh my. we can go ahead and scoot on over to community corner yeah uh we no mail that i saw well outside the I, random chinese spam right i did not see any either but i just want to mention real quick the uh community game night list is pinned oh, one moment had to cough there for a second the community game night list is pinned in the general um chat section it's one of only three pins uh the others being stuff related to the minecraft server which i think people still play on um but you can go look at the schedule there this coming week yeah you're, I'm going you're to definitely be... gonna have to want to click on that because the actual message doesn't get updated as the list gets updated which is annoying so if you just click on the pin and you see a date and game and uh it shows the last one being Offworld Trading Company on the list when there's another one been, that's been added. Yeah, and uh, there probably will be some more added soon. You can feel free to suggest a game. Um, try and pick ones that multiple people in the community have. Not everybody has to have the same game. We don't all have the same games. But try and pick games that multiple people have in the community if you want to suggest something. Uh, I know several of us have Game Pass. If you, uh, if you also have Game Pass and would like to suggest a game on that, um, and then other libraries other than Steam can count, obviously, but it is a little more difficult to, to know what games everyone has that aren't on Steam, just because Steam has got that handy-dandy feature where you can see who on your friends list has a game. Yeah, I would say Twitch Prom, uh, even though I'm not sure if there's been any big multiplayer games on Twitch Prom. Yeah, that's a possible suggestion. Also, something, you know, it doesn't have to be on any of the those sorts of game launchers or whatever. Mm -hmm. If there's, for example, an MMO or a particular free-to-play game that you're interested in that isn't on Steam or something like that, and you would like to suggest that, you know, I don't, I don't want you to hesitate with any suggestions. Um, if it's something that's a little more iffy and not like, oh yeah, absolutely, we can put that on the list because the, the things that have been suggested have been like, oh yeah, totally, that's going to go on the list because that makes sense. Um, but if it's not within that, we can discuss it, you know, amongst the community members and kind of be democratic about it but uh, i just wanted to, to bring that up we'll probably mention every week just what the next one's going to be just so everyone's on the same page but this coming week i will be gone so i just went ahead and called it i mean if you guys want to get together and do something knock yourselves out um i will be returning from my trip to mississippi and i will be home monday night unless there is some kind of issue with my travel which fingers crossed there won't be but I'm going to be tired and needing to get ready for work and things the next day. So uh, I'm I'm just planning on not being around Monday night. Yeah, yeah. and we're uh, accounting for travel sickness because this is Jared, of course. 
So yeah. we're not going to record next week, which is pushing the game club back a week, which honestly is not a bad thing. No, we've both had struggles with Final Fantasy Tactics. Well, I had my uh, entire emulator had to get reinstalled. I have not had issues with my emulator, at least so far. Fingers crossed, knock on wood, all that jazz. But actually playing it has been a bit more of a drag than I thought it would be. But that is definitely dipping way into potential game club discussion so i will save that for next time Mm -hmm. uh we'll be running a franken episode next week which has already been edited and is ready to go um we've got a lot of content to pull from for those franken episodes because we haven't missed an episode in a while so we've had a lot building up so it's good to use some of it in other words Uh, you're saying we should be lazy every once in a while yeah, we should be lazy. Um, but no, I'm 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 actually very pleased with this one. There's some fun discussion between the two of us about uh well, I mean not gaming things. Several fairly long discussions. About non gaming things, obviously. Indeed. So I'm excited about that. But I think that's all for community corner in terms of things to discuss. So time for some music? Indeed. Wait. Let me guess. You have something right away. Well, I have my discovery cube up, so of course I do, right? Okay, go for it. So I have Swords and Souls Never Seen. This is uh, published by Armor Games. I don't know Soul Game Studios, but Armor Games has done. Well, let me go double check that. Uh, they've uh, done a fair amount on uh, Steam, uh, so some decent stuff. This is a single-player turn-based combat, uh, what looks like some sort of almost mobile-style <laughs> Fruit Ninja stuff going on as well as minigames. It's mm-hmm. weird. It looks like a beat-em-up almost. Even though I don't see it listed in the tags as that. But, you know, uh, tags can be deceiving, of course. It released... Well... Uh, or, or, uh, when did this release? It released uh, yesterday. I mean, it has an interesting art style. It has almost a Rayman feel to it, where uh, the hands and feet are dis- uh, uh, disconnected. Yeah. It's just a, it's a, it looks like a weird amalgamation of different things. I've never seen as a unique RPG where leveling up uh, takes skill. Create, train, and upgrade your characters as you please. Discover the never seen and its erratic locales and battle across the lands to foil enemies, uh, an enemy which is plans. So RPG and has some pretty good reviews overall. So there you go. Uh, something a little weird to start off with. You have something gotcha. weird? Yeah, I got one. I don't know if you'd call this weird or not. It's called Gloomhaven. Uh, this is based on a board game, which I am have seen before. I've never played it, but I've seen it. Um, oh. It's a tactical hex sort of grid-based, uh, turn-based game. Um, it says that there's tactical RPG and dungeon crawling sections. But it's uh, you know, a fantasy RPG-style game. Got some... Uh, body horror-esque elements to it if it draws pretty heavily from the board game. 
Um, although it does look a little bit brighter and shinier than the board game makes it out to be. That's not necessarily a bad thing. I do like things that are a little bit more vibrant and uh, you can do a lot of interesting things with that if you contrast it to the actual board game itself. Um, the This developer that makes it did the Fable Fortune CCG, free-to-play CCG that came out last year. I don't know if... It, that's the only thing it says that they've done. The devs could obviously have more experience with other things, but as a uh, dev studio, that is what they have made. So, uh, I've never actually played the Fable Fortune game, so I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing that they were the team that made, made that, but... Uh, looking, this looks pretty good. Um, it's in early access right now, set to develop throughout the rest of 2019, so I'm gonna keep my eye on it, see if I can get a review key. I mean, I wouldn't mind paying for it, but if I can get it for free, why would I? Well, I got something pretty interesting. Chef. Essentially, uh, the... Remember Gunsmith a while back? Yeah. That with a cooking uh, skin on it. With, it looks like a lot more customizable objects inside the game. So, you are designing kitchens that automatically cook meals. Which doesn't sound too interesting at first, but you're doing this via a series of conveyor belts, specialized equipment... But the trailer also shows some sort of code editing, so you're able to go in and change the equipment a lot more than you typically can on these type of games, which is an interesting twist on things. Uh, top that off with a lot deeper, well, resource tree. I mean, just looking at some of this, uh, for example, Jet Age Meal. Uh, from one of the screenshots. You need a carrot, which gets cut into carrot slices for one part, uh, part of the big salad. Uh, then you need a bread slice, which probably is made by making bread and slicing it. Uh, then you toast it, then you make croutons out of that, and that's put into the salad. Then you need a sal- 100 milliliter salad dressing. That's the big salad. Then uh, for another portion of it, you need to make hot wings, which is raw chicken and cutting it up, taking an egg, and uh, egg contents, that's actually kind of funny, but uh, then you bread the chicken, I'm assuming with breadcrumbs, probably from the toast. So it's a lot more involved than some of the other uh, games of this genre, which is interesting. Looks like there's a few complaints about the UI, but yeah, I mean, that's definitely one to look for. It's published by Team 17. Uh, that's known for worms. Uh, and my time in Portlandia as well. So, yeah, they have their pedigree with crafting games with that. So, yeah. Definitely, gotcha. definitely interesting. So, I got another one. Uh, Night Call. I'm just going to read the blurb here. Friend, confidant, therapist, voyeur. As a cab driver working the Paris night shift, you are many I've things seen this. to different people. Your gift is getting people to talk, and in order to catch the serial killer who left you for dead, that's exactly what you'll need to do. I think I saw it uh, at E3 last year or at some gaming show like, i've that's seen where it I somewhere seen but I'm, this before. I'm blanking on where yeah it's got a very it's got a noir aesthetic mm-hmm. um looks like some pretty mixed reviews but there's not a lot of reviews yeah it's a it looks like it's a non-linear uh mix of a sort of investigative story game 
but also you have to balance like earning money as a cab driver what, so that you can pay your bills and stuff mm-hmm. while you try and hunt down the so, serial killer. Papers, please, mixed you for with dead. Uh, a detective story. Yeah, looks really neat. So, well, right. I got a, I got an odd one. I gotta add this, even though it's I'm not sure about it. Biotope, a fish tank simulator. Okay. Biotope will be the most detailed and realistic aquarium simulator on the market. Biotope makes it possible to create complex aquarium ecosystems and simulate realistic life cycles of plants and fish. I mean, it's a very pretty game so far. I mean, it's not amazing graphics, but this could be something interesting if you're if you like fish, but you're not able to you know actually own a fish tank because a fish tank is game expensive and it requires a lot of upkeep. So, I mean, it's interesting, right? Yeah, it's something different. Uh, let's see, it's an early access uh, for. A, uh, the early access be, uh, phase will be at least half, but no longer than a year. So, probably, um, you know, uh, I would say early 2020 ballpark. Or early uh, portion of 2020 is probably when it's going to be releasing out of early access. But yeah, 15 bucks. I mean, you can't, uh, you can't get many uh, fish out uh, with that. Well, unless you're counting goldfish. You get a lot of goldfish for $15. So, I got another one. I mean, unless unless the rest of my queue is shit, I'm three for four right now. So, She Sees Red. This is an interactive uh, live-action movie, essentially. Um, I I don't know when the development of this was started, but I'm hoping to see a lot more of these after the success of Bandersnatch. Uh, When it released, was it earlier this year or late last year? I don't remember exactly when that came out, but that was the, in case you're unaware, that was the Black Mirror episode that was a choose-your-own-adventure released on Netflix. Um, This is saying it's got four different endings uh, and requires multiple playthroughs in order to get all of the endings and see all of the different video footage. Um, So as long as the acting is is good and the storytelling is good, I'm on board for stuff like this. Um, it's, It's eight bucks, so that might be a little little rich for some people's blood but you know if you think about it compared to just like if you buy a movie you know or rent an hd movie that's around the cost of what that would be so you know that as long as it's it's done well i could see that being about the right cost for it you know if you're not into that sort of thing then obviously it wouldn't be worth it to you but it's neat i like the idea of it and i hope to see more things like this combining the medium of sort of interactive experiences with traditional film and TV making, so. So, I got an interesting one. The Nowhere Prophet, a deck-building pilgrimages simulator. Prepare your decks and go on a pilgrimage through the wasteland. Nowhere Prophet is a unique single-player card game. Travel across a randomly generated map and lead your followers to in deep tactical combat. It's part of the No More Robots uh, world. So there's quite a few games that's been set in this kind of mini universe. Uh, matter of fact, uh, Hypnospace Outlaw, which has popped up on the Discovery Key before, 
that, uh, you know, like 90s uh, uh, web browser simulator uh, as part of this. So, yeah, there's some, definitely some deep lore. And, you know, I do have a, a interesting spot for deck building games, particularly single player ones. So, yeah, it looks interesting. I'm not sure how gameplay or how the combat really wraps up, though. But yeah, it's a little bit expensive for it though. Uh, twenty-three bucks. Uh, base price twenty-five. Looks like gotcha. it. Looks like it's uh, full-on uh, summon units, and each unit has some sort of special ability to be able to use down turns. Uh, just looking at some of the gifts. Uh, looks like there's some people talking about the AI not being all that good, though, which, you know, for uh, a CCG is, uh, you know, a definite problem at times. So, yeah. So, I got another one. Missed Messages. Uh, this looks like a choose-your-own-adventure type of game. Um, it, it's free, so I'm going to be checking this out between now and next time we record. Um... But it says, uh, Goth Girlfriend's iPhone airdrops you. Do you accept or decline? A love horror story about life, death, and memes. Um, a lot of the imagery in here looks like it could be bringing up some very serious stuff. Uh, mental health related, um, relationship type stuff, potential suicide. Oh, it actually says down here, content warning. Contains visual elements slash mentions of suicide and self-harm. So I am, I guess, a glutton for punishment, but I love. A little concerned serious... about uh, uh, gameplay. Uh, you know, fifteen to thirty minutes uh, through. I think that will definitely. Oh, never mind. It's a free play game. I was gonna uh, say uh, it's well, free. Well, so. well, I scrolled right past it to uh, you know, look at reviews, and that's all that. Yeah. yeah so I'm so I completely missed it's free to play. So there you go. Yeah. Plus the art style looks very, very good yeah this it's reminds like, me yeah, of it's like a watercolor yeah watercolors it, it reminds me of that mobile game i played last year i'm drawing a blank on the name of it but it was like a dating uh yeah where, lifestyle where, type game. where the boyfriend moves in and then you break up yeah yeah that one florence I'm blank on the name right now florence yes thank you it took me a moment to remember it <laughs> That this this gives me the same sort of feeling as I look at it. Um, I'm just gonna look and see who the developer is. Okay, it looks like this and something called Suppress is the only other thing that they've done. Yeah, which is uh, uh, same sort of art style, really. Yeah, very different type of game though. This is a 2D platformer, suppressed. Uh, 2D uh, stealth platformer. It looks like. Reminds me though of the scream, the the art style. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Okay, but yeah, free to play. So I mean, I'm definitely gonna check it out. Yeah, I just scrolled right past the price because yeah, typically yeah, it's something, right? Yeah. So I got another one uh, on the kind of opposite end of the spectrum. Well, I don't know. There may be some self harm involved. Founder's Fortune. A colony building simulator. <laughs> uh, huh. A fantasy colony uh, simulator focusing on creative building, colonist psychology, and base defense. So the psychology is the interesting one because that doesn't come up 
too often in these. There's a couple of times that it's, you know, it's very basic, you know, just people being in bad moods and it could uh, cause a, a mental break in like Korean world or something. But if they go full on with psychology, it could be interesting. But I'm not sure just how far they're wanting to go with this. But multi-floor buildings, uh, a plant and animal system have proper relationships. Uh, multiple islands uh, and other factions are planned features. They're planning on uh, leaving early access between, uh, between t September 2019 and uh, September two 2020. So, you know, a year, right? Yeah. Looks like this is their first foray, uh, at least on Steam, so yeah. I mean, it has an odd art style. It looks, yeah, like... Uh, it's a very low detail, low poly uh, uh, art style, but it's not low, low poly, if that makes any sense. Yeah. It looks like they're like little plastic figures or something. Sounds kind of cute, actually. Yeah, they're, uh, it's rather cutesy, so it, it, if it could get dark, that would be interesting, you know, that, you know, uh, that just composition. Anyway, you got another one? Yeah, Mini Galaxy. Uh, Mini Galaxy is a light strategy game set in space. We took all the parts of the 4X genre we love, try to make them more accessible. It's easy to use, open to everyone, but we'll also scratch that itch for 4X fans. I actually this saw this like come it, up uh, on sale on mobile. I was going to say, this looks like it could be a mobile title. I'm it's pretty, $4. Pretty sure it was. Uh, yes, it's on mobile and it's 2 bucks. Okay. I'll check it out on mobile, but I mean, this is something that interests me. I mean, I love 4X games and accessible on the go 4X sounds pretty good to me, so I'll check it out. So, I got an RT Farty game which I need to add to my links. Uh, pretty much, the I've jumped, I've skipped two so far, and one of them was uh, Gloomhaven. So, you know, you already had it. Vain. In a ruined desert, a strange golden dust transforms a free-spirited bird into a determined young child, setting off a chain of events that will reshape the world itself. It feels very Journey-esque, but it's not just looking at some of the GIFs and some of the gameplay. It's a looks like some sort of physics-based puzzles in some of it. Some of it's uh, just pure exploration. So it looks interesting. I'm not sure just, uh, yeah, uh, if the $20 price tag is worth it because of, you know, how long it is. I don't see any vision of that. And, you know, th these type of games are, eh, right? Uh, let's see. Puzzle hints for idiots like me that get stuck. Uh, is it negative? That, uh, being stuck on one stage of a puzzle for 10 plus minutes at a time. Hell, they could, uh. Uh, be a one-time thing only. So yeah, uh, there's some people complaining about cameras as well. So it looks like it's an interesting one. I'm not sure about full price though. I would have to dive back uh, or dive more into it. It's interesting, and that's kind of the point of this, isn't it? Indeed. So that's my entire queue. I got one, two, three, four, five. So nearly fifty percent. Uh, I got a RPG Maker one, so I'll just skip that. Uh, I have three remaining, and oh, what the hell? I'll add this just because 
uh, it's a different style of racing that we usually than what we usually see. MotoGP to uh, MotoGP nineteen. MotoGP is bike racing, yep. right? Motorcycles. Uh, just because we don't really see that much on uh, motorcycle racing, so it's not exactly the highest fidelity racing game I've seen. But you know, does it look terrible? And you know, uh, motorcycle racing uh, could uh, offer some interesting gameplay right, compared to car racing. But it looks like there are some people that really don't like it, especially some of the physics possible, uh, possibly. Uh, and I mean, it's worth at least checking out. What was the price on that? Uh, I mean, it is a full price game, though, so, yeah, right? Yeah. Let's see. What in the hell is this? Huh. Okay, I'm putting this on here. I have no idea what to think about it. Because this is a little strange and it's very under reviewed. But, hey, Discovery, right? Yes. Elsinore, a time-looping game set in the world of Shakespeare's Hamlet. <laughs> huh. Combines strong, so- strong social simulation aspects, a, drama- a dynamic story uh, that reacts immediately to the player's decisions, and a world of diverse characters with secrets to uncover. Plus, it's Hamlet. So, there's something different for you, right? Yeah. It doesn't look terrible as well. I mean, first look, it you know, looked like something out of like the of the nineties, but then I looked at it closer and it didn't look as low detailed as I thought it did. It's actually not bad looking, and it looks like uh, yeah, the full time loop mechanic is in play. Uh, one of the screenshots shows a full breakdown of the different characters and their different locations. So it sounds like the social aspect could alter the timeline and who knows how that could play out you know essentially the butterfly effect huh yeah that is an interesting take on things and my last one is doom vr <laughs> so i'm just not even gonna bother with that because you know it's doom it's vr it's uh very mixed reviews uh looks like there's some su- terrible support for oculus so yeah and that is my cue sweet Hey, had a pretty good one this week. Yeah, I had a pretty decent one myself. Well, I had discovery key. I had eight out of twelve. I had five, so pretty good. About fifty percent, a little less. Yeah, mine's about ballpark. Um, <laughs> what it usually is. Yep. But with that done, that means it's time for you, Rage, to hit up with the socials. Well, I've been Caffeine Rage. You can find me on the YouTube's Gaming with Caffeine Rage. You can find me on Twitter, Gaming of CR. Maybe someday you'll find me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash caffeine underscore rage. And of course, you can find me on Steam. How about that? Caffeine Rage there as well. And you've been? Gaming Psychologist. You can find me on the YouTube's by searching for Gaming Psychologist. Follow me on Twitter at JMA4707. Or be my friend on Steam at jarthur4707. And if you listen to them, know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from. The password for this week is Cotton Candy. <laughs> uh, cotton Candy. That, that's some Did pre-show we get that banter. in the recording? Did we get that in the recording? I'm pretty sure, uh, at least with Craig. Okay. All right. Good.
Yeah. Uh, turns out cotton candy does not make a good uh, coffee. Who knew, right? No. That sucks. My review's still not posted. <laughs> I assume there's a review process it has to go through. And probably... And it's the middle of the night. And probably filters out all the bad ones. Yeah. Actually, it'd be interesting to go to the other uh, coffees and see... Uh, does anybody get to post bad reviews? Hmm? Looking right now. That, mm. that, that's a little troubling, huh? <laughs> uh, so far, nothing has got less than four stars. Right? Some of these have got a, a couple hundred reviews. How about that? They're all f- five stars. Imagine that. And they all make the same st- spelling mistake as well. Oh, here's one. That's a one star. This is about Santa's White Christmas, which I I quite like. My experience was the same. Coffee was stale and washed out. Threw it away. Disappointing. Well, uh, I guess uh, someone got coal instead. (laughs) Here's another one star. A couple of two stars. Just this one's got hundreds of reviews, so the ones that are bad aren't having much of an effect because of all of the ones that are good. Anyways, yeah. So there are some negative reviews. And if you were to send us your negative reviews, um, I guess you could send them to vglpodcast at gmail.com or you just send you know, your normal reviews or your letters, voicemails, game-related topics, or just tweet them to us at vglpodcast on, well, how about that, the Twitter. Our lovely, lovely patrons have made uh, this absolute madness possible. You can find more about that at patreon.com slash vglpodcast. And something else our lovely patrons have made possible is our Patreon page, vglpodcast.podbean.com. Let's host the show notes, the RSS feed, links to all our content. Well, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, or your podcatcher of choice. Our intro and outro music is on the ground by Kevin McLeod, and our Discovery Q music is doobly doo by the same artist. You can find, and you can find his work at incomputech.com and... As always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice. Bye bye now. See you next time. Bye bye. Yeah, maybe I'm just too much of a cheap ass when it comes to coffee to buy this stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like to buy nice coffee every once in a while. I don't buy it regularly. My mom, like, this is the brand of coffee she buys all the time. So, you know, I just don't like the idea of, of spending, like, 10 plus dollars on, like, a 10-ounce bag of coffee. Yeah, I mean, it's not even a full pound. I mean, if it was a, yeah, uh, which I realized ten ounces and a pound, yeah, that's a quite a bit of a difference. But damn, I mean, even uh, my decent coffee that I use for cold brew, it's six dollars for I believe it's a ten ounce bag. Which I realized, you know, it's not that much of a difference, but it adds up. Yeah, on my generic stuff that I just drink every day with no frills or anything, you know, just. Caffeine is what I'm after, so 
I don't care as much about what it tastes like as long as it's not terrible. Oh, no, it's 12-ounce bags that I get. Yeah, see, my cold brew is what I get the decent coffee for, you know. Uh, I typically go like Seattle's Best, which has been pretty decent for me. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, my get up, uh, you know, uh, get your uh, shit together. You have things to do. Folgers. <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts is my go-to for if I'm like, I want something that's pretty decent, but that's not, like, extravagant, you know? Like Dunkin' Donuts. Well, the thing is otherwise... that uh, Seattle's uh, Best was a little bit cheaper, and it was available at the local grocery store in whole bean form for a while. Yeah. But uh, Can- when the store changed uh, hands, essentially, from one brand to another, uh, they have the ground coffee there at the same price, but not the whole bean. And I said it before, I don't see the point of buying pre-ground coffee at that premium price. It makes no damn sense to me. Yeah. Katie buys uh, 8 o'clock, and then she grinds her own beans. And I mean, I, I will too if I'm if I'm going to make a really nice cup of coffee. But most of the time, I'll just make a pot of coffee, co- coffee? Co- a pot of uh, coffee coffee-fe. and sip on it. You know, I'll sip on that coffee all day. And it doesn't, you know, it's going to sit and it's going to be reheated. Like, it doesn't need to be anything fancy. I just want some caffeine and some sort of general coffee flavor. Yeah, see, for me, it's half a pot in the morning or whatever my morning is if I'm getting up late. Uh, Then if I need it, like tonight, uh, I'll use the cold brew and either make a mocha with it, have an iced coffee, or uh, summertime, and I now have a got a cheap-ass blender I thrifted. <laughs> uh, a frozen frappuccino. But, which sounds a lot more fancy than, you know, well, I'll take a handful of ice and i put it in with a little bit of the cold brew. I'm not sure if you can have a frappuccino that's not frozen. Uh, there's frappuccino, then frozen frappuccino. I sen- didn't know there was a difference. Uh, essentially, the difference is, uh, you know, how much ice. Gotcha. The frozen is essentially just crushed ice. Uh, think of it as like a smoothie or, or a slushy. Gotcha. I want to get a vacuum brew kit. Like I've got a got a French press, and then you know just can just do drip coffee. Um, I'm not a big fan of percolated coffee. I've had it before. Not not my favorite. I haven't had percolated coffee and in I'd... ages, and it's so damn hard to even find one or a percolator. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of funny. Last time I went thrifting, there was this old guy, uh, like in I would guess his seventies or eighties, and he was going to all the different thrift stores in Charleston, looking for a percolator. And the, you know the scary thing. He was asking people, and there were so many people saying, "A what?" Yeah, my my grandmother still makes her coffee using a percolator, so that's that's where I've had it before. But, and then I do cold brewing. I haven't done cold brew in a while. I should make some cold brew. I just put but a new I, back I channel. In a while. But yeah, I want to get, I want to get a vacuum brew kit as my sort of next coffee thing. Uh, something I've heard that's interesting is nitro coffee. Nitro coffee? Uh, I don't know if I've heard of that before. Well, I heard about it when I was looking at 
a whipped cream dispenser and saw people talking about nitro coffee with it, which is uh, the nitrous oxide uh, that's used to make whipped cream. It's fat soluble and coffee has a little bit of fat in it. So it could get infused with it and make it a lighter texture. It doesn't make it like carbonated as far as I can tell. But yeah, that that's a thing. Hmm. Interesting. If I ever find that, I'll have to try it. Yeah, I was I was looking at uh, whipped cream dispensers as uh, a cheaper way to get you know, essentially canned whipped cream, and actually have some good choices. Because that's the thing is that I don't really live in like a what people call a food desert, but at the same time, you know, I definitely have limited choice at my at my smaller local market. So it's, you know, touring around with some ideas and you know, it's always fun to have new gadgets, right? Yeah. Fun new toys. Especially the toys that make uh, coffee. Yeah, which I actually don't or have. Can improve coffee. Which actually I don't have a lot of toys that uh, make coffee or improve coffee. I guess I'm going to have to fix that. Well, I guess technically I do now because I did get that kitchen scale. So, I, you know, I like weigh out my beans now. So I'm consistent on the amount of coffee I make. Yeah. But that's more for a baking and bread making. Pretty much as soon as I get rid of all these damn fruit flies that hits the right on the, my last bench of bananas. I'm going to do some experimentation, uh, experimentation with bread. Uh, during my binge of the Great British Cooking Show or Baking Show. Uh, they showed mm-hmm. a interesting bread technique where you take part of the uh, liquid and the flour, you essentially make a roux out of it and cook it partly. And it makes it where it's a lot more absorbent, but you really need a kitchen scale unless you want to do a lot of batches to kind of find the new equilibrium of the uh, of the dish. So yeah, I'm going to be toying around with that. When it's not game club time. <laughs> supposed to make a lot softer and more moist bread. So not good for everything. And, you know, you know, can't like do it with a baguette or something. I see. Um, well, I think yeah, that's, that'll do it. That, that's enough outro babble and enough of me talking about random bullshit. Indeed. So I'm going to say bye-bye.